We're going to go to Ephesians 4. I just want to tag off um, that, uh, that dream that Cheryl mentioned. Um, and it's going to lead a little bit into my message, okay? She had this picture of a, a dress, which to me is a little bit awkward. The fact that I might have to wear a dress. And that's the point. Because because there's this moment when when we experience, when we understand the grace of God for us, that is actually very awkward and very uncomfortable. And learning to live out of the grace of God that is freely given to us without condition, the love that flows through the grace to us without condition, that is actually really uncomfortable for us as human beings to live in the freedom of that because we are wired to have to do something to earn something. And, and the way that we operate in, in all of our life is we're trying to earn something. There's something that we're, and our culture is built into us that to get something free, how many of you have ever been in a situation where someone gave you something that was incredibly generous and you were like, it was, it's an awkward moment and you, you want to say no and you don't want to receive it because it's actually really awkward to receive something that's overwhelmingly good that, that you, you definitely don't feel like you deserve and definitely don't feel like you warrant. Has anyone been in that situation? There is this awkwardness and this uncomfortableness to stepping into the understanding of how much the grace of God empowers us. And I've found this in my journey of, of faith, but not just that, in my journey of leadership and ministry is, is learning to flow in the grace of God and not step into this thing called performance or that I have to do something to earn something or that God's going to do this when we get the formula right. That's a really awkward place to be. I was brought up in my, um, my leadership thing. Uh, I was strongly influenced by a number of leadership gurus back in the, the 90s and, and 80s. And uh, they, there were the, the rules of this and the formula for this. And this is how you be a good leader and da-da-da-da-da, all of that stuff. And, and I tried to implement all of that. And, and actually, to be honest, the, the worst situations in my world happened when I thought I'd done everything right. And the wheels fall off and you go, God help. And God says, actually, I just want you to step into the flow of grace. And that's going to be awkward and it's going to be uncomfortable because you can't control that. Because it's letting me do what I do best which is to lead you into freedom, which is to lead people into transformation, into the fullness of heaven on earth in our lives today. And so, you know, when, I, when, I, when, I, uh, when Cheryl pictured that, that idea of a dress that she said, it's not my material, it makes me itchy. There's this idea that God forces something on us. It's always an invitation, but definitely God's grace is uncomfortable. It challenges us because most of us as human beings like to control. Some of us are worse than others. Some of us are better at it than others. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. 
better at controlling things than others. But grace and living in the love of God sets us free from control. Yeah? God is not a controlling God. He's a loving Father. Love does not control. Anyway, let's jump into Ephesians 4 now because that'll just clip into this. Ephesians 4, I want to read it. Um, this is the third one in uh, my series on this called Grace Gifts. Um, so I want to read the whole passage last week. I uh, Actually, no, I'm just going to go from verse 7. So um, Ephesians 4, verse 7. And he has generously given each one of us supernatural grace according to the size of the gift of Christ. Now, in my intro message, I talked about the idea, how big is the size of the gift of Christ? It's immeasurable. So he's generously given you supernatural grace according to the size of the gift of Christ. Now, if the gift of Christ is immeasurable, how much supernatural grace have you got? Immeasurable. Okay? So, and that's all of us. It's not just special people who get immeasurable grace. It's every single one of us. You all have an immeasurable supernatural grace that has been gifted to you by Christ. And then it goes on and it says, um, which I'll skip verse 8 and verse 9. I'll come back to those maybe another day. Jumps into uh, verse 11 and it says there, And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, some with grace to be prophets, some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness into the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. Amen. God hurry that. I want, to, I want to start with this one statement. Every gift that you have in your life flows from your love relationship with Christ. Every gift... Every gift that you have supernaturally been given by God flows from your love relationship with Christ. I love in this, this passage, that in the Passion Translation, he emphasizes, the, the translation of it emphasizes the fact that all of the ministries, all of these gifts flow from grace. They flow from the fact that we are immeasurably given supernatural grace that empowers us to flow in the gifts that he's given us. Now, for me to function in that supernatural grace, I have to understand that that flows out of my relationship with Christ. With my understanding that Jesus in me is the hope of glory. That Jesus in me is the hope for my future. Jesus in me is empowering me to be His representative on earth to this world around me. It's not me of myself working hard to make myself better so that I can measure up to the fullness of Christ and somehow do my bit to extend the kingdom of God. 
Now, there's a really subtle difference here. One is based out of this idea that I have to earn something, that I have to contribute something, that God in His immeasurable grace has given me this, I've got to do something to to say thank you, to give my bit back, to pay it forward. But actually grace says, and and the, the gospel says, the whole thing's free, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is step into it. And the more that you allow the grace of God, the mercy of God, the healing power of God, the Holy Spirit that He's been given to us as a free gift, the Jesus in us to to so overwhelm us, the fact that we can step into our awareness of that reality, the gospel, and we step into that flow, everything else will come out of that. We are so wired though to do our bit. And I'm not saying we don't end up doing work because work is actually important. But what I'm saying is where is the source of that work and that ministry? If you want to say in this passage, it says every believer has ministry. That word ministry actually means getting your hands dirty. I'll just break it down into things. It means getting your hands dirty. It means getting in and mucking in and doing your bit. But the flow of that doesn't come from, I've got to earn something. I've got to do something to contribute. I've got to make my place worthwhile in this big picture. I've got to fulfill my bit in the body. So I'll do this. If it's motivated out of some sort of a a feeling of obligation, or a feeling of lack, and somehow by doing this, I'm gonna fill a gap. I'm gonna find my place. I'm gonna feel significance. I'm gonna understand what I was created for when I get my hands dirty. If that's the reason why you're serving or you're pursuing ministry or you're allowing God to use you, if that's because there's something missing in you, you're missing the point of the gospel. The gospel actually is, God has declared you good enough. God has called you His son and His daughter. It's no longer you who lives, it's Christ who lives in you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is now active in your world. None of those come with conditions. None of them come with a a thing that you've got to get your life sorted before God's going to call you his son and his daughter. If you want to find out about that, you can read the parable of the loving father of the prodigal son. You'll get it right there. You've got a son who thinks he's got to earn his father's forgiveness and he practices his speech on his way back of what he's going to say to repent and to ask for the father's forgiveness. The father completely ignores that and just go straight to, let's get the robe. Let's get the, you don't have to earn anything. You're my son. See, that's the heart of God to us. And we, when, we, when we operate out of this space, where I'm a son, I'm speaking for myself. Take your identity and speak it over yourself. I'm a daughter. I'm a child. Whatever you want to say. 
I'm a son. And I'm a son because God the Father has said I'm a son. And he's declared me righteous, not because of anything I've done, but because of what Jesus did. Because of the immeasurable grace of, the, of Jesus. I'm righteous. I don't have to earn anything. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. He has empowered me. And I could sit here and grow fat for the rest of my life and God would still love me the same. If I never get up and do anything ever again, God would still love me the same. Because His love is not conditional on what I do. See, if we can flow out of that, you know that last statement which talks about these grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith. If we all begin to flow out of the fact that we are loved by God, that His grace is sufficient, whatever situation I'm in, He has given me more than enough grace. If we all flow out of that, the rest of that passage about the body of Christ growing in oneness, growing together, fulfilling the purpose of God, being Christ to the world and to each other, that will come naturally. It won't, ha won't have to be forced. Are you with me? Because how many of you know that when the Holy Spirit is in us, and He's in all of us, the same Spirit is in you and me, when we stand next to each other and we worship, you might prefer this style of music or that style of music, but actually worship comes from the Spirit within you. And so that tuning fork idea that Cheryl pictured this morning, that tuning fork is the Holy Spirit in us. See, we align not because of the fact that we have the same preferences or that we like the same stuff. We align because the Holy Spirit is in us and we're allowing Him to lead us. And it doesn't matter what the preference might be of my personality and who I am, if I'm listening and allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through me, then unity actually comes naturally. That's why Paul, when he writes in Romans, he says, those that are children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Because our oneness is not something that we have to force or create. It is something that naturally comes when we're led by the Spirit, when we step into the flow of grace that God has already set up. One Peter four verse ten. If you want some scriptures to go with uh, what I've just said, if you're struggling to, one Peter four verse ten says this: Every believer has received grace gifts, so use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-coloured tapestry of God's grace. One John four verse seven: Those who are loved by God, let His love continually pour from you to one another, because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and is experiencing an intimate knowledge of Him. Verse 16 of 1 John 4. We have come into an intimate experience of God's love and we trust in the love He has for us. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God and God lives through them. See, for you to minister the way that God has designed you to minister, it comes from a revelation of the grace and the love of God that He has freely given to you. 
And then the invitation of Jesus is those who have freely, freely received, freely give. There's this idea, I don't, I don't have to force something. I take what I've been given and I pass it on. I step into this flow where, where Jesus would use other imagery and he would say, if you drink of me and my water, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. This idea that we step into this flow of, of the kingdom of God, the grace and love of God. And as we do that, it ministers from us to other people. And that happens naturally. Supernaturally. Sometimes our challenge as followers of Jesus, as I spoke about right at the beginning, grace is very, very unsettling. Because there are times when the grace and the leading of the Holy Spirit takes us into places that challenge us very deeply. And our understanding of, am I loved? Because even when I'm flowing or trying to flow and allow the Holy Spirit to flow through me, I make mistakes. Has anyone been there? We try our best. When I make a mistake, actually, sometimes I need to own up and say, whoop, stuffed up there. Sorry, everyone. Please forgive me. But I know I can do that confidently because it doesn't affect how much God loves me. Might upset a few people. I'm sorry. If you're in this church, I will upset you at some stage. That's okay. Well, it's not okay, but God will give you grace and love for me. <laughs> and as we talked about last week, those people who irritate you, he'll give you extra patience and extra grace. But I know that when I stuff up, I'm in my harshest critic sometimes. But the more I realize that God's love is unconditional. That he's happy I gave something a go. That he's happy that I'm, my heart is turned towards him. Doesn't matter what the outcome might be because, mate, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to produce a whole bunch of stuff. anyone else feel like that some days? But I know that God loves me no matter what. And I want to flow and I want us to flow and be people who flow in the supernatural gift that God has given us that is measured according to the size of the grace of God. If I can function out of this place where I absolutely know whatever happens in my world, I'm still loved. The Holy Spirit hasn't jumped out of me. And I'm still empowered by the grace of God's presence in my life. Then we can overcome anything that comes our way. 
we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because I know that whatever happens, I'm loved. And I'm accepted. And I'm part of the body and I'm part of the family. It's not dependent on what I'm doing. It's dependent on God and who he is. So for you, if you're wondering what your purpose is, if you're wondering what your gifts are and how you can use them, those are great questions, but I want to encourage you, the answer to those is found not in doing more stuff. Sometimes that can be helpful. You can do something and you go, actually, I really suck at that. And that's okay. Or you might discover, actually, I'm really good at that. You know, I remember when we first came here to, um, to Parapara Umu and, and took over the church. I'll just tell this, uh, this quick story and then I'll finish. And we, were, we at that stage were meeting in the Raumati uh, Beach School Hall as a church. And um, I'd come from a, a larger church in Auckland and down here and um, it was really interesting. I used to work on sound and so sound is a bit of a passion of mine, I, I have to sometimes turn my, uh, in different environments, I have to turn my ears off and go, actually, it's about Jesus. It's not about what I can hear. <laughs> anyway, we, were, um, we came down and, and there was one particular Sunday morning and I walked in early and the music team was practicing and I walked in and I'm like, oh, that's, that, that is actually terrible. <laughs> it wasn't the musos. They were, they were playing incredibly well, but the sound that was being produced out of the speakers wasn't great. And with my training, I know I could hear enough of that to know there's some stuff I can do on a sound desk that can twiddle some knobs uh, and slide some sliders and change some things and shift some things so it sounds better. So I went back. And the way I operate is I could walk in and I could uh, take over. Sometimes I've done that. Sorry, Robert. Um, I prefer to try and equip someone. So I help people to hear what I'm hearing to see if they can learn and grow. Right? And so in this particular situation, I, I went up to the guy behind the sound desk and I said to him, hey, mate, can you hear this? And I explained to him what I could hear. And he goes, nah. I'm going, okay, what about if I do this? I changed a couple of settings on the desk. And I could, I, in my hear, ear, I could hear the change straight away. And uh, just a couple of shifts and it sounded palatable. And I said, can you hear the difference? No. <laughs> this leaves me with a bit of a conundrum at this moment. Because I've got a guy who's on a sound desk and he can't hear what I consider is quite an obvious change in a, in a mix on the sound. And I said to him, help me understand what, why... Why are you on the, remember I was new in the church, so just still getting to know people where their strengths were. And I said to him, so have you had any training on sound or anything? And he goes, no, we just, uh, we just had a gap. Um, 
And so I put my hand up to fill a gap. And I was like, yeah, I love it when people do that. And then just go, there's a gap. I'll, I'll throw myself in. And I said to him, do you enjoy it? And he goes, actually, I'm not very good at it. I said, I, well, I was very gracious. No, I wasn't actually. I said, you're right. <laughs> he couldn't pick up what I thought was an, an obvious. And he goes, and I said, do you really want to continue this? And he says, no, I don't. And I said, great. And he goes, oh, that's so good because I'm tone deaf. And all of a sudden I'm going, no wonder. <laughs> but he had stepped in out of a flow of grace and he was incredibly relieved when I took him out. So was the congregation. <laughs> but that guy... Put him with young people and his ability to connect with young people and bring out the best in young people who are struggling beyond measure. Put him behind a sound desk and he sucks. That's not a criticism, that's just an acknowledgement that we're all wired differently. But when you flow in love and grace, it doesn't matter if you get repositioned or do you discover you suck at something. It doesn't change the fact that I'm still loved and I'm still full of grace and I'm still empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's just one more thing that I've discovered that I'm not good at. In my journey of discovering all that God's got for me, I'm not going to get upset because someone repositioned me or said, you actually aren't a good, very good at that, even though I might think I am. Because... When you function in the, the security of the love of God, it doesn't actually matter, all that other stuff. Because all that other stuff is actually just something out of the flow of God in my life. And sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we get the wrong end of the stick. Sometimes we head down a track that's actually not very good for us. While we're trying to flow in the grace and the love of God. And it's okay then for someone to come alongside and say, do you really think that that's wise? Or to agree with us when we say we're not very good at something. Because that doesn't affect what I know is true. And what I know is true is that no matter what the outcomes are of my ministry, of my serving, of what I'm doing, no matter what the outcomes are, my status and my, my, the way God views me as his son, as his daughter, as his child doesn't change because of the output. See, the problem I think we often face within church is we measure stuff from what we see on the outside, what comes out of people. And Jesus challenged that and he said really clearly, I'm not looking at what's on the outside of the vessel, I'm looking at what's in the heart What's going on in my world? And I want you to be connected with me in such a loving relationship with me that the inside is alive and vibrant and full of grace because out of that will flow what I want to flow. 
for us to operate as the body of Christ in this world. The only way we're going to see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven is when we step into the flow of the love and the grace and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not going to come by us creating more outputs and more programs and more things that we have to do. It's going to come when we center ourselves and we allow the flow of the Spirit of God to lead us into what we need to do. And for you, that might be different. Well, it will be different to mine. It'll be different to the person standing next to you or sitting next to you right now. But for us to see kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, it starts with us centering our life around the knowledge that our Father is a good Father, that His love towards you and I is unconditional. We don't have to do anything to measure up. It's a free gift. And all we're doing is stepping into a knowledge of that and allowing that grace, that immeasurable gift, to so fill our worlds that everything flows out of that. So that's my encouragement for us today. You can come on a Sunday morning and we love people attending and, and contributing to what's going on and serving in all the areas around here. But if the, in the end we are not encouraging you into a position where you know with growing conviction how much God loves you and how much of his grace he has given you to empower you to be the people he's called you to be and do what he's called you to do then all we are is just a lovely, happy, clappy club on a Sunday morning. See, life transformation takes place when you step into the revelation of the love of God and allow the grace that flows with that to flow through you. Amen. By the way, we've got lots of gaps in our roster. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that out there. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you love me. In fact, you are so wildly in love with me. that you spread your arms wide and you allowed yourself to die to show me. God, that still overwhelms me. How much you love me. How much you love us. How much you love this whole world. God, I pray, help each of us to live out of the revelation of your love. That there's nothing 
as Paul said, that your love is so big, so wide, so high, so deep. Who can comprehend it? And that there's nothing that can separate us from the immensity of your love. God, I just declare over every person here this morning, our families, our communities, I declare that your love will prevail. That your love conquers all. That your love, your perfect love, casts out all fear. That your love empowers us to be your children. So I thank you for every person here, every one who's not here, who's part of our community. I thank you and I bless each one of us to know in an ever-increasing measure how much you love us. And I thank you, God, that you are love and that you're good to us all the time. Amen.